And Isaiah 56, 9 through 12. Here we go. All you beasts of the field, come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark. Dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite, but they never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let us get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, this is one of those passages where we just need your help, God, especially to understand and God also to obey, to be the kind of people that you're calling us to be today. So, Lord, we pray that your spirit would come and assist us and convict us and teach us, open our eyes, give us willing hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first verse he says, come and devour. All right, he calls the beasts out of the forest. He calls the wolves out of the forest. And he says, come on and have your fill, devour, tear up, eat. Okay, what in the world is that about? Well, if you remember back before Christmas when we started the Isaiah study, we talked about how the, the Israelites, God's people in the book of Isaiah, had rebelled, 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 rebelled. And they were to the point where God was saying, judgment is going to come. Judgment's going to come. You're going to be taken off into exile. You know, I'm going to take you there for 70 years and bring you back and restore you. But you're, you're going to be disciplined by my hand because you will not stop sinning. Okay? So that's kind of the background of Isaiah. Now, in this chapter, Isaiah 56, God is basically saying, one of the reasons it's so easy for the enemy to come in and, and, to, and to tear apart God's flock is because the leaders, the spiritual leaders of Israel, had been lazy and incompetent, okay? That's really what he's saying here, okay? The picture is of a sheepfold, right? It's of a herd of sheep. And, and basically, Isaiah is saying, come on in, wolves. You got a free lunch right here because nobody's looking after these sheep. Okay? To change the illustration, let me change it up a bit. You might have a football. How many like football? You may like football? Okay, so here's a football illustration, all right? So you got a, you got a coach, and what's happening is he's got a right tackle and a right guard who are completely worthless, all right? They're lazy. They don't work hard. They don't do their job. They don't execute their plays. They're out there looking at butterflies and picking dandelions. I mean, they're just terrible, all right? Now, what that coach might do is he might go stand in between that right tackle and that right guard, and he might use a little sarcasm. That's what Isaiah's doing, okay? He might say, hey, Weatherford, hey, Elk City, hey, Clinton, Come right on in, right through here. Anybody would like a quarterback snack? Right here it is. Anybody, anybody want a running back for lunch? Here you go. You got a free lunch right here. Why? Because these guys aren't doing their job, all right? That's exactly what Isaiah is saying in the context of a shepherd and a sheepfold, all right? He's saying these sheep are in trouble. Why? Because their watchmen, the people that are watching out for them, are blind. Why? The watchdogs can't bark. Why? Because the shepherds don't know how to be a shepherd. They've got no understanding. And all they do is get drunk and look after their own affairs. They're lazy shepherds. And because of that, God's people are being tore up. Okay? That's the context of Isaiah chapter 56. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at spiritual leadership. But before we do that, there's something we've got to establish. All right? You didn't always have to do this. 
But in 2016, you have to because there is a false doctrine that's permeating Christianity. And here's what it is. People will say, and I hear this a lot, it's, it's widespread. They'll say, you know what? I have turned away from my sin and I've put my faith in Jesus Christ in his life and his death on my behalf. And I am a Christian. I'm indwelt with the Spirit of God. But I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't, I, I, I don't want anything to do with Christians, other Christians. I don't want to be in a small group. I don't want to be in a Sunday school class. I don't want to be in an accountability group. I don't want to be in a Bible study. It's just me and God and that's enough. I don't need anybody. And not only that, I don't want to watch out for anybody either. That's not my responsibility. Okay, that is not New Testament Christianity. And so the thing we have to establish right away is this truth. You're a sheep. Okay? You're a sheep. Now, now, not just Isaiah says that. Okay? Uh, the whole Bible says that. We, just think about the last month. We were in Isaiah 53, the week before Easter. And what does Isaiah 53 say? All we like. Sheep have gone astray, each to his own way, right? Uh, the, the day of Easter, we were in Romans 8. Remember what Paul said in Romans 8? He said, all, we, all Christians like sheep are, are headed to the slaughter, right? Jesus, when Jesus picks up the scene, what does he say? I am the good shepherd, right? I know my sheep and my sheep are my voice and they follow me. Um, Psalm 23, do you know it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Peter, 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God that's among you. It's everywhere in the scriptures. It's in Ezekiel. It's in Jeremiah. It's in the prophets. It is all over in the scriptures that we are told, we are, we are told that to think of ourselves in terms of being sheep, okay? Now, a lot of people don't like that. You know why they don't like that? Because sheep are prone to wander. Sheep can't take care of themselves. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need each other. Sheep can't go off by themselves, okay? They're easy to pick off by predators. And a lot of people just don't, don't want to think of themselves that way. So we have a lot of people that are coming to Christ. They're turning away from their sin. They're seeing the glory of Jesus. They're putting their faith in him. And then they're saying, I'm a grizzly bear. I'm not a sheep. I'm a grizzly bear. And the reason they want to be a grizzly bear is why? Because bears don't live in herds, right? They're not around other bears, right? And some people are like, I don't want to be around any of those other Christians, Right? Not only that, but bears don't need a bear herder. How many of you ever watched a, like a National Geographic show or been to Yellowstone National Park or the Great Smokies? We saw bears in both those places. How many of you have been there and you look out in the field and there's this big bearded guy with a, uh, a staff and he's walking along. He's got a whole bunch of grizzly bears behind him. You know, just he's leading them out to berries. You know, he's like, come on, come on, grizzlies. He's carrying a little cub, you know. You ever see that? No, you're not going to see that. You know why? Because bears can be herded. Bears don't need protection. What are you going to protect a grizzly bear from exactly, you know? I, I mean... They don't need that, right? They don't need anybody. And there's a lot of Christians that pretend to say, I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. I just want Jesus. But I don't need anybody else. Okay, well, there's a problem there because the Bible says you're a sheep. Whether you like it or not, I mean, I don't like it. I mean, we didn't get a pick. If I got a pick, I'd be a tiger or something, right? We don't get a pick. The Bible says you're like sheep, Okay. And a sheep that thinks it's a bear and strays off into wolf territory looking for berries is a dead sheep. He's a sheep that's not going to live very long. He's not going to make it to the end. And so as a Christian, we need to first of all accept this. We need each other. Okay? We, can we just get that far today and just right here, right now, just say, I'm a born-again believer. I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And what the Bible tells me is that I need other people and other people need me. 
I need to be invested in other people's lives, and other people need to be invested in my life. That's the way New Testament Christianity works, okay? All right, now, we've gotten that far, so let's look at these three images of poor spiritual leadership, okay? Number one is a watchman. Number two is a watchdog. And number three is a shepherd. Now, all of these images have this in common. We're responsible for others. So I want you to ask this question just quickly. Who am I responsible for? Okay? Now, that's kind of a complicated question because it depends on who you have a relationship with. It depends on your, your, your closeness to people. It, it depends on your giftedness. Okay? So who would this passage be talking about? Well, obviously, it would be talking about the pastors of Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. All right? So Gary, Daniel, Andrew, myself, we, we are commanded. 1 Peter 5 tells pastors, shepherd the flock of God among you. Okay? So this would apply directly to us, that we should be Watchmen who are watching and, and watchdogs that are barking and shepherds that are taking care of the flock, all right? So obviously it applies to us. But here's the reality. I can't be closely involved in 600 people's lives every week. It just can't happen. Nor can Daniel, nor can Gary, nor can Andrew. So what happens? Well, we have small groups. We have Sunday school classes. We have Bible studies. We have morning breakfasts with men. We have women's Bible studies on Tuesday night. We have Bible studies on right? right? We have all of these other ministries in which people are looking out for one another. Okay? Did you hear that? One another. You're going to find a lot of one another's in the Bible. Let me, let, me, let me give you a really cool one that directly applies to this passage. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, it says this. Take care. Okay, when you take care, what do you do? You be, care, you be careful. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you, notice, any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another. There it is again. Exhort one another. Okay, that's for us together, brothers, sisters. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right, so, so what does that passage tell us? That passage tells us that we're to look out for one another. Okay, we're to, we're to look out for each other's hearts. We're to, we're to make sure that nobody gets led into deceit, nobody gets fooled, nobody begin, begins to believe lies. All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, here's another passage. Brothers, if anyone's caught in a transgression and sin, you who are spiritual, who's that? Well, that ought to be a lot of us in this room, right? That ought to be you. If you've been a Christian a while and you've grown and you've been discipled and you've been mentored, okay? That ought to be you. You are spiritual. Should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you to be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens, all right? And so there's this reality in which we are responsible for one another. So pastors are responsible on a large level for the church, but church members are responsible to shepherd and look out for each other's souls. And then... Here's the really close one. Parents, you have a responsibility, right, to look after the souls of your kids spiritually. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, your mission is not done when you taxi them to this building. That's that's not like, hey, I I drove them to 16, uh, what is our address? 16, it's 2704 is P.O. Box, 16. 1620 Lincoln Avenue, that's right. 1620 Lincoln Avenue, yeah, yeah, or 403 Oklahoma, I think, 5th Street. Can't, I, I should know that. All right, so it's, it's, not, it's not done when you bring them here, right? You have a responsibility to shepherd your kids, to look out for their souls, to keep watch over them. 
Hebrews chapter 13 says, keep watch over one another's souls. All right. And so now you have this image of the watchman. Verse 10. But this watchman, okay, so what would a watchman be? He's the guy that's on the wall, right? He's taking the night shift. And what's he doing? It's real complicated. He's watching, right? He's watching. What's he watching for? Danger, the enemy, wolves, right? Whatever the context is. He's watching. But they got a problem here in Israel. What's the problem in verse 10? The watchmen are blind. They don't see anything. They don't ever sound the alarm. They don't ever warn the people. Okay? And so they're in trouble. Let let, let me give you the greatest passage in the Bible on the watchman. It is Ezekiel 33. Okay? Later this afternoon, you ought to read verses 1 through 6 because it sets it up. It talks about what it means to be a watchman in this day. But I'm going to give you the spiritual application. It's in verses 7, 8, and 9. Okay? Ezekiel 33, 7, 8, 9. Here you go. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth. Okay? So being a spiritual watchman is directly related to God's word. Okay, do we hear a word from God? Do you have one of these? If you don't, we'll get you one right out there. There's a bookshelf. Take one. Okay, it's called the Bible, and it's full of God's word. All right, so we have God's word. All right, so so Ezekiel, he tells Ezekiel, whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Okay, so what's a watchman do? When he hears God's truth and he sees somebody that needs God's truth, he speaks it. He, He speaks God's truth. Verse 8, if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. The wicked person shall die in his iniquity. Listen, are you ready? But his blood I'll require at your hand. See, I want to make sure you hear that. Because there's an accountability there, right? His blood I'll require at your hand. Okay, but verse 9 But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. All right, so so what he's saying here is the the watchman has a responsibility to bring truth, okay? A dad, a spiritual dad has a responsibility to share truth. A small group leader has a responsibility to share truth. A Sunday school teacher has has a responsibility to share. A spiritual friend has a responsibility to share truth, to warn when someone is, is wandering away from the truth or when they need the truth. All right, this is why in Acts 20, if we go into our New Testament, we know that this applies to New Testament Christianity because Acts 20 seals the deal for us. Okay? In Acts chapter 20, Paul gathers with the Ephesian leaders of the, of the church in, in Ephesus, and here's what he tells them in verse 26. He says, Therefore I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all of you. Where does Paul get that? Why does he say, I'm innocent of the blood of all of you? He gets it from Ezekiel 33, right? He's saying, look, I have a clear conscience. I'm innocent. If you wander away, if you stray into sin, if you, if you go to hell because you reject the gospel, it is, it is not on me. That's what he's saying. Why? Look at the next verse. Verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. See what he says? He says, never once did I back away from sharing truth from you. Man, when you needed to know what the gospel is, I shared it. When you needed to know how to live in Christ, I shared it. When you needed to know how to forgive and not be bitter, I shared it. When you needed to know how to, how to live with a husband or live with a wife or a parent, I shared what, what, the, what the truth of God is. I shared that. I didn't hold it back. I did not have time. 
But I, but I gave you truth, and therefore I'm innocent of your blood. Your blood's not on my hands. If you turn away, if you reject, then that's on you. You see, Paul's saying there's a real responsibility. Now, think about the watchman, okay? Now, the literal watchman. So the guy on the wall, what's his job? He's watching for the enemy. Okay, if he sees the enemy coming over the hill, here comes torches, guys with swords and spears and shields, battering rams, and they're headed for the city, and the city's sleeping. If that guy grabs his pack, back, backpack and heads for the hills fast as he can, and he doesn't warn anybody, people are going to die, aren't they? People are going to die. People are going to get chopped up and killed. And he didn't kill them, but he didn't warn them. Right? Spiritually, we must realize there's a responsibility to share truth with people. Because if we don't share truth with people, people will fall into sin. People will never repent. People will live in ways that destroy others. And there's a real loss for that. Man, I'm telling you, that, that phrase, their blood on your head, that's heavy. In other words, you're stained with the guilt that you, you, didn't, you didn't speak truth. So many times we want to have this attitude in the church that, it's not my problem. You know, we, we wouldn't do that in other areas, would we? If you just if, if him and I have you over for supper and we have a good time together and we're walking you out to your car and I happen to notice that your brake line has been cut. It's in pieces and all the fluids drained. You don't notice it, but I noticed it. You know, and I walk you to your car and we're like, hey, thanks for coming over. You know, we'll see you. Come back again. And as you're driving away, I'm, I tell him, I don't think they're going to be back, you know. But I didn't tell you. Why? I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. It's not my, it's not my car. Well, that's kind of cruel, isn't it? If I'm out camping with you and I see a rattlesnake slither into your sleeping bag early in the day, I don't say anything. You know, it's time to go to bed. We're like, all right, good night. And I'm like, I'm going to stay up just a little bit. See what happens, you know. And you get in your bag. You get bit. We can't get you to the hospital. You die. Well, I didn't bite you. It's the same thing. We have a responsibility to share truth. We need to be watchmen. And what's wrong with these watchmen? They're blind. How, how good a job are you going to do being a blind watchman? No, you're not. You, in other words, to be a watchman, you need to see things, right? You need to see things. You need to stay alert. You need to watch for error. You need to watch for Hebrews 2. Read it. First couple of verses. It talks about a slow drift. It talks about the danger of drifting. How, how many times, if you think about it, have you seen people drift? Like they used to be here in their love for Jesus. They used to be here in, 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 in their service to the church. They used to be here in their excitement of the Word of God. But then over a period of a couple of years, they're drifting. Let, let me ask you, is anybody watching that? Is any, does anybody step in and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Hey, you know, we're having a Bible study at McDonald's. We'd love for you to join us. You know, how, how's your marriage? How, how's, your, how's your kids? How, how, how's your growth? How are you? Watch for a hardening of the heart that Hebrews 3 talked about. Watch for a diminishing love for God. Just watch. 
Watch. How many times does the Bible tell you to pay attention? Here's some verses. Mark 14, 38. Jesus warned the disciples three times, watch and pray. Remember that in the garden? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Luke 21, 4. 21, 34 says, watch to see that you're not being weighed down with sin. And, and you're not ready for Christ's return. Galatians 6, 1. Help those caught in sin and keep watch on yourself. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Keep watch on yourself in your teaching. Hebrews 13, 17. Keep watch over the souls of others. Keep watch. Here's just a real practical thing. You know what I've found? I've found that when you see the word watch, stay alert, stay awake, not always, but very often when you see that in the New Testament, you know what you also see? Pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Let's go together. And here, here's what I found, my own personal experience. When I pray, when I am faithful in prayer, I see things about myself that I did not see before. I see sin. I see patterns of rebellion. I see patterns of being not like Jesus with people. And you know what happens when I pray for other people consistently? I am more alert to what they need. It just, it'll happen. I challenge you. Pray, pick somebody out and pray for them consistently. You know what you're going to see? You're going to notice how you can help them. You're going to notice the needs in their life. You're going to notice how they, you know what you're doing? You're being a watchman, right? A watchman who's not blind, but a watchman who's watching. He's ready to speak truth. Now, second image, Okay. His watchmen are blind. Now, the result of that, they're without knowledge. And then verse 10, they are like silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. All right, now, I don't know about you, but if I could find a silent dog, I would buy the dog and trade Snickers for that dog, all right? Yeah, I, I would do that. Now, let me tell you why I would do that. I would do that because I'm not a shepherd, Right? And, and I, have, I have a house that has locks on it, you know, and I could buy an alarm system. We could have one of those motion systems. I mean, there's all kinds of things. We got that at the church. We don't, we don't need dogs at the church. You know why? We've got cameras and locks and all kinds of things. But, man, if you're a shepherd, you need a dog that'll bark. And that's what dogs are made to do. They're a lot. I mean, as much as I dislike Snickers, I will tell you this. She knows when somebody's at the door. You know, she knows when somebody walks across our front yard. They don't even have to come to our, if they get on our lawn and walk across the front, it's on, man. It's, it's alarm going off, right? I mean, that's what dogs do. Good dogs. A good watchdog is going to sound the alarm. Okay. But these were dogs that could not bark. I'm telling you, I, I, uh, I got on YouTube. <laughs> this is not studious, by the way. I got on YouTube last night. I was just curious, and I typed in sheep and wolves. And, and I, 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 there's a bunch of videos, but there were two that were fantastic. They were both old, and they were both foreign. So I could not understand what they were saying. But, and, and one of them was sold as black and white. But one of them was... Um, uh, a wolf had gotten into a sheep pen, like a concrete pen. Now, I did not know this about wolves. They will not just kill a sheep and eat it. They will kill a sheep. As fast as they can kill a sheep, they'll kill the next one. Like, they'll kill a sheep, kill a sheep, kill a sheep, kill a sheep. They, they won't stay. I mean, and, and the next video actually had that happening. Like, a, a, two wolves got in a sheep pen. And, man, as fast as they could strangle a sheep, they were done, and they were on to the next one. 
and just picking them off one after another. But then that second video, it was black and white. It looked like somewhere in, I don't know, Asia or something. They were sheepdogs that, that heard what was going on. And as those sheep, as those two wolves were killing sheep, those sheepdogs came around the corner. You saw them come into the pen. And I'll tell you what, after watching that video, I want a sheepdog, right? If we get another dog, it's going to be a sheepdog. I mean, it is cool. Within, it took them about 20 minutes. It's a long video. It took them about 20 minutes. But those, those sheepdogs killed those two wolves. And just, I mean, they were relentless, okay? It gave me a new appreciation for sheepdogs, all right? So, so the context of what Isaiah is saying here is you got sheepdogs that are supposed to sound the alarm, but they're not paying attention. They're sleeping, dreaming. They're not, they're not paying attention to the sheep. They're, they're eating. The sheep are getting slaughtered and the dogs are off doing something else. They're not paying attention. Folks, we need to be the kind of people that know when to sound the alarm. I know that's a tough thing, but we need to pray that we would be those kind of moms and dads and pastors and small group leaders that we know how to bark when we need to bark. You know, you're saying, when do we need to bark? Here's some instances. The sheep are in danger when predator men who have no intention, zero intention of making a lifetime covenant commitment to care for and sacrifice for and love and lead in purity. Our daughters and the young ladies in this church, when those men pursue our daughters and nobody barks, what is wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Where's the dads? Dads, we want to be guys of grace and of kindness, and we don't want to be ridiculously mean. None of that. But we need dads who are willing to spot those kind of guys and bark and speak truth and warn. Man, the sheep are in danger when the smooth-tongued seductress in Proverbs 7, by the way, read about her, she's real, is hanging on one of the arms of our young men or our sons, and no one barks? What's happening there? What's happening? Is, is dad in the chair watching Sports Center and mom's taking pictures and putting them on Instagram, and nobody's speaking truth as the son's about to flush his life? Sheep are in danger when the instructor at the community college weakly mocks the idea that there could be absolute truth or one path to God or there's a God at all, and there's nobody barking. There's no seasoned mentor. There's no, there's no saint that's been walking in Jesus for 30 years who says, hey, son, let me tell you what's happening here. Let me tell you what the Bible says. There's no disciple makers. There's no small group leaders who are barking. They're silent. They're busy. The sheep are in danger. When the family sits down night after night and watches a sitcom that saturates the storyline with the virtue of same-sex attraction or, or, or immorality and the villainy of anybody who would dare question whether something's wrong. And nobody barks. The night goes by and it's quiet. The watchdog's sleeping or eating. Or the sheep are in danger when a false teacher promotes a gospel that is not the true gospel. 
Maybe a health and wealth gospel, a come to Jesus and get cash gospel, you know, or a works-based gospel that says, do your best and be a good person. It'll all be fine. Or, hey, don't worry. God was just joking about hell. He's not really going to send anybody there gospel. Or, or Jesus saves your soul, but, but, but he doesn't care how you live gospel. And nobody's barking. The sheep are in danger when the poor are neglected or there's favoritism or partiality or selfishness or when there's conflict in the church that's just rooted in selfishness and nobody's barking. Guys, the watch the watchdog should bark. Now, hopefully most of the time, here's where I like to start. I think most of the time we can just yip, okay? You know, you know what a yip, this is all just my illustration, you know what a yip is? A yip is, hey, let's meet. Let, let's, let's go to lunch, you know, and hey, what do you think about this passage? Let's read this. You know, how you doing? How's your life? I noticed you're, you're going this way. You know, what do you, what do you think about what the Bible says here? You know, can I share with you what I think that the Bible's saying here? Sometimes it just happens like that, right? Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes we have to get a little more stern. Hey, let me tell you, I love you. And the way you're going in your life is not going to end well. And I don't want you to go there. Sometimes, sometimes we've got to even get more of a bark. All the way up to the way that Jesus teached, taught, or the way Jesus treated the false teachers. Man, have you read that in the Bible? Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He told them they were a den of snakes, a den of vipers. Remember what, he, remember what Paul told the Judaizers? Y'all just lop it all off, you know, if, you, if you're teaching that circumcision is what saves people. Remember, remember, what, remember, what, remember what Paul told the church in Corinth? He told them, he said, listen, when you guys come together, you ought not sing. Don't, don't get Bonnie up and sing. You guys ought to just get together and cry and weep because of the immorality within the church. I mean, there, there's some harsh barking going on in the Bible. Now, here's what I've noticed. Some dogs bark just because they're mean, okay? Some of you have those dogs. I, I, if you want to know, just come up and ask me. I'll, I'll tell you, you know. Like, they, they'll bark the whole night, you know. Even after you try to pet them and give them a treat, they'll still bark, all right? You shouldn't be one of those dogs. You, you should know where the real danger is and when, when, when the truth is needed. But, but neither should you be silent. So you got the watchman, you got the dog, watchdog that can't bark, and then finally you've got the shepherd, okay? Now these shepherds are not good shepherds. Why are they not good shepherds? Look at verse 11. They're shepherds who have no understanding. They don't know what they're doing. And they've turned to their own way. So three things, they don't know what they're doing. They've turned to their own way. They don't care about the sheep. They just care about themselves, each to his own gain. And then verse 12, they're not even paying attention. They're, 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 they're partying it up, and, and they, they have no idea what's at stake. And that's completely opposite of what the Bible says a good shepherd should be. Let me read you the kind of shepherd that God is. Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 11. This kind of shepherd that God is. Ready? Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples. And I will gather them. 
from the countries, and I will bring them from into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with a good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel. And there shall be grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. That's a good shepherd. Now, did you notice the characteristics there? First of all, a good shepherd goes after his sheep. Now, we saw that in the New Testament, right? What's one of the most famous parables in the Bible? Luke 15. There's a shepherd who brings his sheep into the fold, right? And he's counting them. One, two, three, four, nine, nine, nine. 99. How many sheep? He's got 100. One is missing. What does he say? Nine, nine out of 100 is pretty good. I'm going to dinner. Is that what he does? No. He goes after the sheep, okay? So a consistent theme in the Bible is a good spiritual leader. You know what he does? He, he's not... He's not focused on himself. He's focused on the sheep, and he's willing to go after the sheep. He's willing to seek them out. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not this guy here who, who says, I've turned to my own way, each to my own gain. No. He, he's a shepherd that willing, is willing to go after the sheep, to build relationships. Paul was this kind of shepherd. Paul said in Philippians 2.17, I'm pouring my life out for, for the people of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, 9, he says, I'm like a nursing mother, like an exhorting father, taking care, giving my life for the people of God. You see, a good leader, here, here's a characteristic of a good leader. A good leader walks into a room and is immediately thinking about how they can build up the faith of somebody else. That's what a good leader does. Well, have you ever seen a cow? I, I don't know. I need to hang out with Gary Bates. Gary Bates got some sheep, and I need to just go check them out. In fact, they were out this morning. I think he went after him. Um, but I don't know, I've never been in that world, but I did work in a feedlot for years growing up. You know what a cowboy does when he rides into a pen? He starts looking for sick ones. That's what he does. He looks for the sick. He looks for the lame. He looks for the weak. He looks for the struggling. That's what he does. That's, I think a good shepherd does the same thing. Okay, so a good leader is not one who says, hey, I got my own life. I got my own stuff going on. I don't got time for sheep. That's not a good leader. Have you heard people say that in the context of it seems to be okay? I hear that every week. You know, Pastor, my life is really full. I don't have room for anything else. Let me ask you this question. Is that okay? Is that okay? We, we say it like it's okay. Man, we're really busy. I don't... I don't have room for God's work. I don't have room to be a shepherd. I don't have room to take care of anybody. I don't have room to look after anybody's souls. I don't have room to speak to. I got my own stuff. Man, you're that shepherd who says, hey, I'm out for me, my own gain, my own job, my own family, my own life. Everybody else stay out. Unless you could do something for me, then maybe. That's not a good shepherd. A good leader is going to walk into a small group and what's he going to look for? His best friend? No. He knows he can have lunch with his best friend whenever he wants. He's going to walk into the group. Well, who's he going to look for? The person that's by themselves, right? The one who's struggling. He's going to look for that mom with the four toddlers that's about to snap, right? That's a good, a good spiritual gal, good leader gal. She's going to look for those moms. She said, man, how can I minister to you? How can I encourage you? How can I speak truth in your life? Please don't snap on your kids. You know, let, let, me, let me try to encourage you with the word of God so that, can, can I lighten your load? Give me one of them. You know, they can sit with me. That, that's a good leader. A good shepherd doesn't avoid the sheep. 
He doesn't find excuses to not be around sheep. Again, don't, don't be that person that thinks it's a virtue to say, I'm not a people person. I don't like people. I'm a born-again believer. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me, but I don't want any people. That's inconsistent with New Testament Christianity. We're out of time, but a good shepherd feeds his sheep, right? He feeds his sheep. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Last conversation, remember? Peter, do you love me? What's he say? Yes, Lord, I love you. What's Jesus say? Feed my sheep. A second time to emphasize, Peter, do you love me? Yes, God, I do. Feed my sheep. A third time, what's Jesus doing? He's making a point, isn't he? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love Jesus? Okay. Questions. Are you investing in anyone? Again, this is going to differ widely based on your relationships, based on your circumstance of life, based on your opportunity. Let me ask you this. Are you investing in anybody? Are you feeding anybody with the truth? Are you, is anybody on your radar that's wandering away? There's three situations that I've seen happen over and over again in the last 20 years at Lincoln Avenue, almost 20 years. Number one, somebody begins to wander. We see it. I see it. Others see it. Small group leader sees it. We gently come in as gently as possible. Hey, what's, how you doing? You know, let's go, let's, go, let's go talk. Let me share you some scripture. What do you think about this? Can I pray for you? And they're like, you know what? You're right. Man, God's really working on me. God spoke to me. I'm, I'm coming back to where I need to be. Praise God, huh? That's situation number one. That's the victory. Situation number two, same scenario. We go in. Hey, what's going on here? What, what, why are you wandering away? Here's what the Bible says. I don't care. Or most of the time it's, oh yeah, thanks for coming, Pastor. Yep, yep, it's all fixed. <laughs> and it's not all fixed. There they go. Okay, that's a sad situation, but what does Ezekiel say about that? Their blood's not on my head. It's not on your head. Third situation. This is the scary one. Nobody sees it coming. Nobody sees it coming. Everybody thought they were fine. Everybody thought their marriage was fine. Everybody thought their, their family was fine. Everybody thought their spiritual life was fine. And it all crumbled so fast. It happened. I grieve over those. You know what I ask myself? Why didn't we see it? Now, sometimes it's because people don't want you to see it. There are some folks, they will build a 12-foot wall around their life, and they will never let you in. That's just true. That's true. I, I don't think that, I think there's something seriously wrong about that. Okay? But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it's that we were too busy with our own stuff to be watching to be barking, to be shepherding. I wish we had time to unpack this final phrase because it's really good. But in verse 12, it says, the shepherds say to themselves, tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. What, what are they saying there? They're saying, hey, everything's fine. You're straying off into sin. You, you're not where you need to be, but it's fine. Tomorrow will be just like today. 
No consequences, no problem. There's a world telling us that. We don't need to tell each other that. The world's telling you that. Got a mistress? It'll be fine. Cheating on your wife? It'll be fine. Falling into drugs and alcohol? It'll be fine. You'll be fine. Tomorrow will be good. No, it won't be. Let's pray. God, we ask for your help. God, we ask for your help to be good watchmen. God, we ask for your help to be uh, good watchdogs that know how to bark and know when to bark. And God, we pray that you'd help us to be good shepherds. Lord, you're a good shepherd. You came after us. God, you, you didn't leave us alone. You didn't wait for us to come to you. God, you came after us and you saved us. You rescued us. You fed us. God, help us to be those kind of shepherds to, to each other. Father, give us grace. Bless our church. Bless our gathering. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you stand, please? And-